Okay, welcome back guys. This is podcast number three and I'm joined by Craig Seaton and I'm Chet Carson. Craig, how are you doing, brother? I'm very well, man. Yeah, how was your day this morning? It's been a good day. Early sessions, a little bit of training. Yeah. Big Phil Potts Brecking, feeling good, man. Nice. He's drinking cacao as well. How's your cacao? <sighs> Cracking stuff. The ceremonial grade, like my friend drinks a lot of it and he's, he recommends it. And we do hear the ceremonies over retreats. And it's just so powerful stuff. Like it's been a great substitute to help eliminate coffee because there's yeah. no caffeine in it. Um, and you just feel more integrated, more positive, happy. And I don't like to rely on substances outside of myself for that. Um, but using things like, I mean, even looking at clean eating, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel better. So it's it's as long as things are in moderation or they're building you up and going somewhere and it's of benefit and not a crutch, then great. And this stuff, man, it's wonderful. You used it in your cacao ceremony. I've come to it twice now. Uh, what's the benefit before you do the breath work? It helps open you up. So it works with your heart chakra. So right. your energies around your heart area gets open up a little bit. Um, and basically it helps us integrate with our feelings more. So the more of a, an open outlook you have or the more comfortable or loving that you feel, the easier it is to go into any situation of confrontation right. or the, the unknown or fear-based. So a little bit of that helps us integrate ground and off you go, you've got a bit more strength with you. Right, have you seen any effects from drinking cacao before the breathwork and doing like a breathwork? Yeah, completely, cacao? man. It just helps people get deeper. Myself, from my own experimentation yeah. with it, is it does help you get deeper and let go. And it is, it's like, it's like you, you're with an army, you know, it's, you've got that vigor and that power to go forward right, and the right. cacao builds that. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm going in. I'm, I'm ready for this session. Nice. Like, um, you know, with, with doing uh, psychedelics in the past, you can feel like, oh shit, it's gonna, what's gonna happen? You can get a bit nervous before it, but when you really want that session, you're like, okay, I'm ready, I'm going in. This is sort of gives you that movement forward, a little bit of power. Nice. But yeah, it's great, man. It's good yeah, stuff. guys, you need to check out uh, Craig's cacao ceremony, right? Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. So let's talk about the breathwork then. So what made you get into breathwork? How did you get into it? And what's your experience been like? So we got into the breath work, uh, maybe like four years ago now. So after everything kicked off with the meditation, discovering the mind and the amphiogens and uh, spirituality, religion, traditions, cultures, etc., I was always looking to get the most out of myself or get to those higher states to live in that way, you know, to, to want the best for myself or to, to know the truth, whatever the real truth is, and always to move in that direction. And that requires high, higher energy. So I'd look at ways of refining the body, getting rid of the old or the, the weight that would keep me blocked. And that includes ways of thinking and diet, exercise, uh, energy, people that I'm with, all that kind of stuff, always looking at refinement. And after doing the psychedelics on a pretty intense scale for around two to three years, yeah. Um, it came a point where I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm sort of done with that now. And then I wanted to empower myself more, which was also the thing with coffee, why I, I have these months where I just cut coffee out because I go, oh, I've become too dependent. I don't want mm. something that will pick me up to make yeah. me feel so good. I want to be doing it myself because it's so easy to rely and depend on these things. They have a purpose and a use, but not when we're doing them every day, you know, it's took over, it's yeah. took over ourselves. Well, we have all the things that we need inside of us anyway. We've got the DMT, uh, we've got access to the DMT and it's just, triggering it and, and starting it. And I guess psychedelics in a way mm. triggers that. And maybe breathwork does the same thing as well, doesn't it? It does, man. And that was it. It was like, I went to uh, Sadhguru's foundation, the Isha Foundation. They were doing a three-day course in, uh, it was Birmingham at the time, a few years back. And I thought, hey, I'll go to that. I want to learn these these Kriyas and, and the yoga movements and give it a go. And this was my first experience. So we did these movements over the three days. 
mantra meditation and alternate nostril breathing and, yeah. and then the, the mulabanda lock and the other locks in the body so the yogic locks to retain air anyway you do a, a specific sequence and when I it was on the very last day we put everything together and they played a, a live transmission as well from Sadhguru right. uh, sorry not a live transmission a taped transmission okay. and it was through that is like when he was chanting and, and doing his whistling it was like I was feeling it and this was also one of my first experiences with, with quantum um, effects how right, right. time is not what we think it is and if you're putting out a certain energy you can access that energy at any point without regard of time mm. because the energy is always there yeah. it's just what can we tune into when and yeah that was phenomenal so I was going through the practice doing the breath work which was different uh, different methods and then at the end just do the big lock and hold and I just started tripping man like I was seeing visuals as if I'd taken something psychedelic my body was vibrating like mad which still happens now so you basically were doing holotropic breathing no it then wasn't holotropic just it was regular yeah work. it was alternate nostril but it was all done from purification so right. purifying with the kriyas um, the, um, the, the tumult breath, the, breath, yeah, the yeah. breath of fire, yeah. yeah, to cleanse out locks, mantra, and like it was all a series. And I recommend anyone check out the um, the, the program that each foundation do. Right. And yeah, from that holding the breath at the end, boof! I just it was it really? was tripping like psychedelics, and I was like, I found it. Yeah, this is yeah. it. I can do these things naturally now. We can all do these things naturally now, depending yeah. on how cleanse the body is, how open our mind is to what we can accept and believe in. Because when we don't believe in something. It can still overpower us if the subconscious or the unconscious like does know and does believe in it. But if somebody's barriers are so with control and go, no, that can't happen. Or no, that's not real. Or yeah. I don't know how it works, so I don't have an interest in it. It's very hard to penetrate those. Why does that happen? You think? I think again, Sadhguru, uh, when uh, I went to see him in London one time, that was great. But you, you just feel the presence of no, no. It was like it was a big, a big event. Yeah. Right. Um, but he says in one of his talks that people have higher energy they're always emitting a certain energy as we all are really um, but it can't penetrate somebody else unless they're open to it mm. and I think if we consider that like think of the amount of people that were around the effect you have on people or if somebody's down and you're generally quite fine but you go around them and then you start to feel down it also shows that we're so open you know we don't have our own boundaries in place like because yeah. some people you can be around people who are down and you can pick them up so it's all levels of strength of our own energy our own awareness towards it how open we are to receiving it because you can be around let's say people with depression or just a very uh, pessimistic outlook mm. uh, as another example and there's nothing you can do that will change their mind you know yeah and that's because they're not receptive to seeing the other side that well maybe it life isn't the way i think maybe there are other options so that mental energy it's carved in through our belief system, our perspective is like key to what you access in your reality or what your life is about. So yeah, it's being around high powered energy that which can, you know, spending time with you, man, always mm. feels good. It's always easy. I'm never tired or down and we do these. Yeah. Know? We talk yeah. ages before or after and we can still go. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we should probably shoot before. The conversations <laughs> we have before this, leading up to this is quite intense as it is. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. So I found with my own personal experience with your breathwork method, um, the first one was very visual. And I was going through the experience and I was, I had a bit of a panic moment um, at the start because I didn't, I've never, never experienced these sort of feelings before, these tinglingness and, and stuff. And I was telling myself, look, I'm, if I don't trip, because I, I was listening to other people around me and mm. they were, it seemed like they were having an amazing experience. And I told myself, well, that's Craig. <laughs> 
I'm in Chihuahua. Yeah, that was Craig's phone. Um, keeping it real. What kind of ringtone was that? Standard man. Whatever they give you. It sounds like Star Wars. I wish. That's not a bad show. Yeah, we'll we'll do a cut here. A few moments later. Okay, so we're back. Craig, did you answer the call or did you just hang up? <laughs> hung it up. <laughs> Tail between my legs. That's cool. So what were we talking about? The breath so your, experience. your experience, yeah. Yeah, so my first experience was the tingly sensations. It was definitely more tactile. Mm. And and then I realised, okay, if I don't... Because I was listening to everyone around me and I heard like these weird noises from people and people, people seem like they're having a be- better time than I was. But then I told myself... Okay, if I don't trip, that's cool because the experience I'm going through right now, uh, through my senses and how it feels, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. The instant I did that, I tripped. And uh, I saw like a book that appeared and then the words were coming onto the book very slowly. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that was my first proper trip. But since then, I don't usually tend to have a visual experience. It's all just how it feels in the body. Um, and I just get a deep sense of relaxation. I feel like I'm floating on water. And then the last month or so that I've been coming to your classes and also doing Scotty's classes, I felt as though I was um, free diving. Mm-hmm. You know how deep sea divers dive without any snorkeling gear and they just go deep. Um, I felt like that and it felt really intense and, and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't get any sort of feelings of emotion or you know any sort of bubbling feelings. I wonder what that is. Yeah, I think it's everybody's got so much going on on different levels mm. so you've got your emotional body your mental body your physical body your energy body so yeah depending on how clean we are in certain areas something will come up something that's in the unconscious that needs to be worked on or an emotion that's been regressed and right. pushed down or the stuff that we have no idea the more we do a little bit of spring cleaning the more you can see the dirt right right so the cleaner we get the less that we actually not the less we'll have over time, yes, the less we'll have that will that will come out, and, but that will have different effects some way. So maybe somebody's got a physical injury one time and they mm. do the breath work and they start to heal the energy, but it brings out an emotional response too. And with yourself, maybe it's there's just less going on that you have to clear, you know, which yeah. can depend on your mindset and your upbringing and the traumas that we're carrying around and how open we are to the world around us rather than shutting things off. So it varies, varies from people to people. Do you think, so from what I remember when I used to watch a lot of Elliot Hulse's videos, he had a lot of bioenergetic releases and stuff. Yeah. So he talked about discharge and something that triggered something um, in my head when I was watching his videos was that um, when we watch, again, going back to a zoological reference, when we see predators that chase prey, now let's say it's a gazelle in the African savannas being chased by a cheetah or a lion, what usually happens is if the gazelle gets away, the first thing you'll notice is if the camera's on the gazelle, and you've definitely seen this in any sort of documentary, um, any David Attenborough documentary, uh, you'll see that the instant the animal gets a space and he knows that it's safe, it'll shake his body off. Mm. Just like a dog would do when it enters water. All animals, generally prey animals, have this ability to discharge their energy immediately. So all that pent up adrenaline and all that is obviously not good for the body because it causes a flight or flight response. Um, but we have to get rid of that in order to go back into our parasympathetic mode, mm. right? So. This, these creatures have this amazing ability to just kind of shake their body off and that's it and they tend to forget the experience. So that's why you get those videos where you'll see wildebeest going back to the same spot that you know one of their friends or their relatives got caught by a crocodile. They'll go, go back to that same spot again because they have this amazing ability to discharge and obviously their 
long-term memory is not that great. So they usually forget instantly the moment it's happened. But it's, I found that really fascinating. Then looking at human beings, you'll see that kids and young toddlers will have an amazing ability to just discharge it by going on a rampage or yeah. stamping their feet or going on a tantrum. Um, that's their ability to discharge that pent-up energy. So if you say to them, no, you're not going to have something and you, and you scold them, they'll end, tend to end up having a tantrum. And this is their ability to discharge it by having this tantrum. If you stop that tantrum, which is what most parents usually do, and this, which is what most teachers usually do, you are stopping their ability to discharge their energy, which manifests later on in life when they grow up. Yeah. So I found that very fascinating. And I thought, what is the one release that human beings have? Well, we're not allowed to just scream or shout randomly, are we? You know, it's, it's, it's considered weird if an <laughs> yeah. adult suddenly does that. So what is our ability to discharge? And I found that doing breath work, that is it. So you breathe deeply and then when you have these pent up emotions that have been stored in the muscles, when they come out, you address them and then you let them go. Mm. I felt like that's what I felt with my first breathwork session. I may, I may have felt a, a tiny bit of emotion, emotional sense in my body. I felt a little emotional, um, but only, only a tiny amount. But I felt like whatever I had, had already been discharged mm. uh, previously. So I think maybe that's what I, I get from it from other people's experiences. Yeah. I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, man, it's so great because thinking about what's occurring there is like going into what you're saying with the animals and being in a fear-based state. One, when we felt a bit of fear or anxiety or stress, what do we do? We don't, mm. we don't shake it off. We don't figure it out. We're just Netflix. I'll have a glass of wine. Like, yeah, yeah. time and place for everything again. Yeah. I'm not against any of these things. I had a whiskey the other night. I don't. I very rarely drink, but you know, the time was right, so I'll have one. Mm. But it's, it's like that puts the stress. That covers it. It doesn't let it go. It doesn't let that thing that's been nagging us. Uh, be released yeah. it just pushes it to the side a little yeah. bit and I think we're addicted to that as a culture yeah because it's so normal yeah. it's so normal that that's, that's how the culture treats I mean living here in the centre of Northern Quarter again it's city centre living but you look out and all that's around town are bars and restaurants and cafes like yeah. great you know great there's, that's there but what does that say about us? Why, why is there that much demand? Why are we, we putting so much into that? Like have the places, it's, it's wonderful. But just imagine what a community would be like where we're not looking for stimulation all the time or distraction or something. It's, I'll have this taste and this flavor. Mm. And like, again, it's nice, it's wonderful, but it shouldn't be what our main pastime is to do constantly. Yeah, you know? I think it also comes back to um, our relationship with rejection. Mm. So when you, experience rejection, whether it's through parents, friends, or someone that you like, we as a culture haven't fully comprehended how to release that, that tension that we have from rejection. Uh, we haven't come to terms with it. And I feel like most people turn to alcohol or sex or any other form of release just to kind of distract themselves for a bit. But everyone knows that once you've once you're in the moment, you're fine. But as soon as that those effects wear off, mm. you go back to reality. And if it it tends to hit you harder than it did in the first place. Yeah. So um, I think we we need to really think about how we we deal with these situations and maybe even talk about it more often openly with people. Yeah. Um, which is not what's happening these days. People are closed off more right now than they've ever been in the last 30, mm. 40 years. And technology again is is being a is having its effect on us in a very negative way. Um, yeah, so yeah. I find that very fascinating. With the the conditioning and going to those things, which is because there's that sense of relief. It's not like these things are terrible or mm. wrong because 
for the right reason. Yeah. If you use it for the right context, the right reason. People's nice. Yeah. Sex is incredible. Food and coffee is great. Yeah. But it's like seeing that that that's used for what it's used for and not used to cover up something from ourselves or we go to those comforts because that's all we know how to deal with it. Yeah. Because that's where the the, the 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 downside is, is that we're not able to articulate or have that conversation or we feel afraid to because people don't do it that way. Like mm. you said about shouting out in public and you know, things like, oh, what's going on here? And that could be what that person, the medicine for right, that person right. to let, let go and to stop you in the fuck as much. It's like, ah, I'm just gonna shout out. Yeah. And, you know, I remember once I was really stressed and it had just had a build up over time and it was having a, a bit a bad relationship coming to the end of it. And I just, I just come out and have a conversation and just went, oh, you know, just let it be out. She's like, what are you doing that for in public? And I was like, and I still remember <laughs> it. Like the imprint is clear that the person that I was yeah. with and in a relationship with judged me based on that, that I was stressed and I didn't know how to let go. And then, okay, let's repress that. Let's, let's not do that again in public or with, yeah. with a partner. And it just builds up to more and more blocks. And it's like, there are no rules, you know, we can let ourselves go in whatever way we need to, as long as it's in safe conditions, yeah. you know, we're not going, right, I need to punch someone and we'll go and punch some uh, someone because you're getting angry or <laughs> yeah. there's those places in town now where you can pay to smash things up with a bat for like right. an hour, which kicked off in Japan. And it's things like that, again, if they're done in a healthy manner and we're working with the unconscious energies, like for me having a lot of repressed anger from growing up, it helps when I go to do a punching bag or a right. learn a martial art, like it goes, ah, because that helps me tap into a strength and a power that I was trying to fight and resist for so long because mm. anger's bad. I felt terrible when it was being pushed on me all the time mm. and I didn't know how to work with it or how to combat it. So just don't do it. And if I feel it, shouldn't be feeling that. Or if anybody's angry, you're wrong because you're angry. And it's like, no man, that's a feeling. And the energy needs to be worked with constructively and safely and understood. And that's where we learn from other people and we get the right help and we get the right understanding of what that energy is and what to do with it. Because if we don't, that's where it stays in the unconscious and it gets bigger and we feel it gets uglier and harder to deal with. Yeah. And we either become sadder or more false or we're always trying to pretend like things are fine, but it's like, no, that's in there and it's fine, it is. Just learn how we can we can let it go and yeah. you know, become whole. Because we've always got the good and the bad side. How do you constructively use those forces and those energies for your life? Like balance. It's not trying to be wholly good all the time and being like a, a saint. If we get to that point, great, but that's a hell of a lot of refinement of understanding, acceptance and, and growing. Um, but it's to know that those denser energies, they're in us and it's how do we work with them and mm. you know, not let them overcome us, but know that they're just as acceptable in the right way as the good side of us. Yeah, I think it's also the way we've been brought up as, as kids from our parents and from our teachers mainly. I think teachers have been a huge influence on our lives and it comes down to um, what kind of education have you received? For you to deal with these situations and uh, again going back to eastern philosophy you get i don't think i remember any system in i don't know if i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong guys but i don't know if i remember any system that we got taught as kids um in the eastern side of things when i was again taught the uh, about my eastern culture where we had to use any form of discharge i just think the types of jobs people were doing back then the farming jobs and you know, manual labor is a form of catharticism yeah. as well. So, catharticism, how do I say it? Yeah. Catharticism. And uh, yeah, so we already had those releases in, in place. Mm. So whether you felt stressed a bit, you know, you had those little moments where you could kind of release yourself. Plus the teachings would teach you how to deal with it before you get that. 
Mm. So you, know, you you never get those symptoms. You you treat it before you've even had those symptoms. And I think we just don't have that system in place. And this is where yoga becomes very important. Um, and not yoga in the Western sense of yoga. Well, which is great. You know, performing the physical postures and and the asanas is, is great. But practice the spiritual side of things. Practice the philosophy of yoga, which comes down to. Um, cultivating your growth and your self-realization so that you become a stronger person to deal with this with these situations so i think that's really important um, and having a daily southern so yeah. having a practice that you stick with every single day that allows you to to cultivate yourself yeah. um yeah i was just listening to there's a there's a man on youtube called swami muktanand he's a he's a monk from india become very famous on youtube again like most of the mystics and there's something he said that was really profound for me. He talked about a, a very rich Indian man in India. Um, he had an industry, what was his name? Arvind Moffatlal. And anyone who's Indian listening to this podcast will know who he is. So he established a, a textile firm in India, making hundreds of millions of pounds or, or rupees and also dollars. And even though his company was doing really well or sometimes wasn't doing so great, Every single day, he would dedicate two hours a day, lock himself into a room and practice his his daily spiritual practices. You know, meditation, focusing on himself, practicing gratitude as well, Mm -hmm. and then selfless service. So giving as much as he possibly could as well. So in those two hours, if a director or someone important in the company wanted to get hold of him, people will tell him, nope, for those two hours, it's his own practice and he doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care whether his co- company fluctuates or, you know, is, is going to hell mm. or he's doing really well. He'll dedicate those two hours every single day to this practice. Um, and he was so amazing at giving to charity as well. He never once put his name on anything. So he would do all these charitable things and no one would know anything about it. There, would, there wouldn't be any attention. He would just do it behind closed doors because he felt that once you... Uh, release that energy and you expose it to people and say look I've done all this mm. that that kind of uh, strokes the ego a bit yeah. you know it brings it up a level and I think we need to get into the habit of doing that obviously I'm not expecting us to kind of give as much as we can but what you want to do is you want to create an environment where selfless service and gratitude are, are gratitude are a huge part of your practice mm. um, and from that we avoid these situations where we're in right now where we have mental health problem as a, as a huge societal issue um, it's because we're so self-absorbed and focused on our own practice that we're not focusing on other people so when you focus on people that are in less uh, well situations that are worse off than you are you start to have a sense of gratitude and appreciation for where you are in life as well yeah um, and yeah so moving the attention away from ourselves and putting it on other people mm. and helping people out I think that is the the sort of move forward towards helping ourselves out mentally yeah, you can't help but feel good, can you? Yeah. You know, it's wonderful that that person has those two hours as well dedicated for himself regardless of the business because as soon as you say that, the thought comes in is like you can see people like, oh, yeah, he might be doing his meditation but the business is, we've just lost yeah. a sale or something. Oh, there's a big business opportunity coming Yeah, and someone's come in saying, we want a partnership with you, massive deal. And just like, nope, two hours are for me. Yeah. So to I'm have bored that. with that, man. I love that yeah. because it's business... It's always going to come and go. Money's always going to come and go. You'll be rich one day, you can be poor the next. Mm. And obviously you're building towards something, but that is temporary. And even your achievements or legacy and all this stuff, it's like, but how are you feeling now? And what are you doing now? It's like, oh yeah, but I've got to build up this first mm. and then I'll work on that stuff. 
It's that that goal or that sense of us it wants to build in that thing is the thing that's being built, not just the goal itself. It's I have to build goals, I have to get this, I have to do that. While he sounds extremely balanced, he's like, yep, yeah, this is how I work and yeah. I make this money and I do this with it, but I'm also working on myself in such a deep level, which is a greater connection than the material world because it's built on his, his, whatever his spiritual beliefs are and his connection to soul and to heart and yeah. to, to life because... Yeah. It's always a mix match of the physical world and the spiritual world, but for me, it's like the spiritual world has only, only ever provided me with greater insights, yeah. greater love, greater connection, a deeper understanding, and led me to the work that I do now, which I would not give up for 10 million, but 100 million pounds. You yeah, said, yeah. right, here's this money, you stop doing your breath work and stop doing healing sessions. I'm like, no chance, mm. keep the money, I'm fine doing what I'm doing. Like because it's coming from somewhere bigger than the physical world will ever be able to give me. Yeah. You know? And it's letting that run through and being aligned with it. And man, like the dreams and what our heart says, that's what it's about, you know? And maybe it's become too cliche that we can't follow that enough. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, don't know what they want to do or they think they should know too early, like in your 20s or your 30s even. It's like, oh, I still don't want to do. Fine, that's what life's about is you get to go through these different things. Don't keep doing the same thing because yeah. obviously it's not there. You've not found it. So do other things. Like we said in the last podcast, have the goals that evolve. For sure. But yeah. it's to, when you get in alignment with what you want to do, like <sighs> there'll be temptations to say, oh, why don't you just come and do this job now and get the security back and get this money back or yeah. come and meet these people, rub shoulders with them. And it's like, if that's going to pull you away from your path, not worth it, you know? I think not the most it. gratifying jobs you'll find are serving. Yeah. Any way yeah. you can serve, because mm. we have different ways of looking at service. So consciousness is designed, so any form of consciousness is designed for service. You look at the most successful businesses, you are serving other people. You look at the most successful industries, you're serving other people, you're providing other people some sort of benefit by providing them a service. So. You know, we talk about the properties of fire being heat and warmth, mm. water being wet and permeable, etc. Well, consciousness is designed for service mm. and especially selfish, uh, selfless service, basically. So you're serving without any attachment towards the rewards of your service. So there's a quote in the Bhagavad Gita that says that you have a right to your actions or the choice of your actions, but you don't have a right to the fruits of your actions. Mm. So, you know, if you give to someone and they give you a, a positive sort of result, you know, they say thank you to you and they give you, they show you gratitude, that's great, that makes us feel great. But at the same time, if they turn around and they don't accept it or they put you down or they insult you, that shouldn't affect you, mm. you know, because you've done your part, which is you've given to them, regardless of whether they are happy about it or are they dissatisfied by it, you have no right to that fruit of action. So whatever yeah, happens yeah. as a result of your of your actions, it's no longer your right to decide or to yeah. cling on to. So when we become, and the thing is we in a society become attached to that. So if I give to someone, they need to have a positive response, you know, then, so let me give you an example again. So if, um, you know, you give it to a homeless person and he tells you to piss off, how does that make you feel? You know, that ruins your entire day because you're too attached to the actual result. Yeah. Whereas if you just gave for the sake of gave, giving and you just gave because you wanted to give mm. and you just left it at that, it wouldn't really affect you either way. Yeah. And that moves into other realms of our life, being too attached to the results. So let's say I study a degree and then I expect 
and I'm, I'm demanding that I get a job after my degree. You know, again, we're attached to the fruits of our action, where life never works like that. Life works in all these crazy twists and turns where, you know, you will perform a particular sort of, you'll take one path and that leads you to another path. Mm. So I think it's very important for us to live a life where we're not attached to the results of what we're doing as well. So enjoy what we're doing, mm. do it purely for giving, but then don't get too attached to the actual fruits. So of what's going to come from what's it. Yeah, come from two, two really good points uh, for self-reflection on both those examples. So one, the, the homeless one, is like one, there's a homeless guy. Why are we giving, first of all? Yeah. Um, do we want to feel good? Do we Are we trying to feel charitable? There's once a friend who put a statement on Facebook about, like, oh, this person wanted money. I gave them a 50 pound note and, was, and it made their day. I was like, then you've got to look at the judgmental mind of it. For, for me, it's like, oh, why is this being shared? And what are these people saying? Mm. One, it's good to share because, ah, oh, this person's been charitable. So that's inspired me. Maybe I'll go and do that. Or is yeah. it coming from, I'm going to be charitable so I can tell people, you know, there's always which parts we feed in. You could still say you're doing a good deed by being charitable. But I think it's also to consider, especially in Manchester, when we're giving to homeless people, are we giving in a sense that it's senseless giving? Mm. Like, are we continue to fuel drugs or drinks? And again, it's not judgment on people's life. Like, there's a very tough lifestyle and position they're in, and it's all in for for whatever reasons that are beyond my my knowing. Mm. Um, but are there more beneficial and, and healthier ways around? Like, there's the charity that you can give to that take care of the homeless and give them food rather than feeding it so somebody can keep their addiction going on the side. Yeah. You know. So if you're insecure about that, I think that ideal way of approaching it is either you give it to the charity itself or you give them something you know that they can't really mm. utilize so maybe yeah. um, well utilize for a bad reason so you don't give them money if you feel like that's what's going to happen you give them food or clothes or something that mm. will they can make use of yeah so that's one way of avoiding that situation um, but if you give money purely give money then understand that if they use it for cigarettes alcohol drugs that's no longer in your your action to receive it is and is there camera involved with that as well because yeah well I gave so it's fine yeah. well you what you were in position of handing out the tool and you gave maybe a machine gun to a toddler well I give it something to yeah, you, you know yeah. and it's like well comes back to that think as well. of the fruits of what's going to occur by that act of giving yeah so it's not just to be chari- to be charitable which is an amazing thing it's a lovely thing but what's the knock-on effect of yeah. that um, so there's always those points of self-reflection um, and knowing where it's coming from the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yeah, we think yeah. we're doing a good thing, we think we're doing yeah. it right, but really without deeper self-reflection, maybe we're doing something that isn't beneficial. Yeah. Um, and then the second point about university is, I've had a few friends and a, and a previous partner and they were uh, very dedicated to what they did in university, uh, the course that they went on. And then after finishing and then getting a, a job in that specific industry, and finding the industry was not what they wanted and it was not what university was mm. about. Um, she wouldn't let go of that, of that what she wanted, of the outcome. So tried another job in the industry, exact same circumstances, same kind of people, right. same kind of style, wasn't for her. Tried a third job, same thing. And it just led to misery and unhappiness and thinking that that person wasn't good enough. And really she was, she was just, it just wasn't what she wanted. Yeah. But after spending three, four years at uni, people don't want to let go, even though that time was for that. If you can make something of it, great. Yeah. But it's different. It's continually, it's, it's evolving, it's changing. If that doesn't fit you, 
can you let go? And yeah. what a lesson that is as well. Well, I've studied that and I put money to that, not just in the sense of university, but we can use that as a point of reflection through our lives. What have we done that we think, well, I've gone this far, so I must keep going. And it's like, no, you know, that's not how life is. Mm. It's that goal that always evolves is get to where you've got, get to where you are on the mountain, have a look and go, oh yeah, the view's nice, it's good here. You might want to stop there, but you can keep going up you the mountain and get up, a higher yeah. point of view. But you've got to move to get up there. It's not just staying where you are and it might be taking a different path or a different route. Mm. If you're stuck and you're unhappy and you've been doing the same thing for, I always say, oh, if you're doing the same thing for six months and it's not changed, you have to do something different. Like if your feelings haven't changed and you know that it's not just, um, it's not just, a negative mindset towards something it's coming from outside and you, you're in the wrong place mm. you know wouldn't get a tattoo if I'd not thought about it for six months do you know what I mean yeah. it's like you have to yeah. be sure and when you mold it over and you're still having that thought it's time to go it's time to do something new yeah but it's definitely it definitely requires a bit of commitment as well so mm. if you feel like something isn't working out within a month you know um, look at the situation be more conscious about your decision and reflect on whether you stopping to do that or you changing to something else, whether that's going to have a, a negative effect on you as well. Because yeah. change is obviously a hard thing to do. Um, and you have to look at the entire situation and then, and then take it on, on that merit. Um, but yeah, yeah, I find that really interesting. Mm. Yeah. What time are we on? 11. We're 34 minutes into it. A um, couple of the other things we want to talk about. What's can we branch into now? <laughs> we stopped. Yeah, right, we at hit the, it there, didn't we? Right yeah, we, we hit a dead end there, which was where it was perfectly where it was supposed to stop. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I don't know where else to get into now. I think we can wrap it up there. <laughs> yeah, I think we can wrap it up there. Um, this will probably be a slightly shorter one. Thirty minutes, I think this one went on to. Yeah, and you've got your client in the next twenty minutes anyway. I do indeed. Okay, so. Yeah, this was podcast number three, and yeah, we, we talked about some very deep shit. It was more deep than the last one. I yeah, think. it's nice. Like, I feel the difference in conversation, too. Yeah. Like, goal-based and training-based, it doesn't set me on fire, mm. you know, but while we're getting into the deeper aspects, yeah. the first podcast and this one, like, I love it, man. I just yeah. feel it. It's like, yes, this is what I want to be talking about, and yeah, this is what I love. Perfect. Right, guys. Okay, so you can view this podcast on YouTube. You also want to stick it on SoundCloud and Spotify. Yeah. But a few people messaging me about that. Uh, we'll get that sorted out and hopefully we'll catch on catch you guys on the next one. Yep. All See you later. Best, guys. Yeah.